This is the Saxo Market Call. Daily insights on what is moving the financial markets. Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It's Monday, 14th of November, 2022. We have uh, not much of a follow through on Friday, but some follow through higher in equities. It was a bank holiday, so we had one of those odd days with Veterans Day in the U.S. where the, uh, the Treasury market was closed. So we're not getting any further signals from the Treasury market into the equity market. But of course, uh, as was discussed in Friday's episode, the whole blow up on Thursday was quite uh, quite something to witness. Uh, and we'll be talking a little bit through that. The uh, risk sentiment coming coming back in a little bit. We still have these numbers spiking COVID-wise in China. There are signs, though, that although there, you know, we still have a zero COVID policy there, there was a long list of new uh, measures. It seems to be a softer approach here, uh, trying to to uh, de-emphasize the whole shutdown, especially uh, factory production, etc. So even though those numbers continue to spike, I think it's really going to be key here to see how uh, if, if there's this ongoing softening in the types of regulations. Still disruptive, but maybe not as bad as, as was the case, especially during that whole Shanghai uh, episode earlier this year. So I don't know what you're seeing coming into this morning, uh, Peter. I mean, there's a whole, I guess, the, you know, Thursday was the big blow up. We did see some follow through. But um, some of these one-week uh, performance levels are absolutely ridiculous here on slide two in terms of our our equity theme baskets. Yeah, I think the uh, the story and the, my interpretation is a little bit still the same. Um, I, I don't think this is a signal of a bigger change. It's a, it's more a coincidence signal that we are in a bear market because that's typically the environment where you see these big moves. And if you look at the, across the theme baskets and and if you actually dig deeper into the actual uh, uh, deeper layers of the equity market, you can see that a lot of the uh, a lot of the low quality companies were the rallying the most, uh, and I think that says a lot about uh, the rally that we're witnessing. But in any case, in any case, we're trading at this four thousand level, and I, I want you to uh, I want us to draw the attention to slide three in today's slide deck because we'll get the U.S. financial condition index, the adjusted one from Chicago Fed, so the one the Fed is using themselves. We'll get a new update on uh, t- uh, tomorrow. So we have data that is right now lagged a little bit more than 10 days. Um, I've marked in, in with the red arrow where potentially this index could go given the very broad base across market moves that we saw. And that would p- put us into the uh, easiest financial condition since March. And is this really what the Fed wants? And I know you, you can't map a stationary time series like so the financial conditions to an F- S&P 500 futures that is not stationary. I know that, but in a shorter term time period you can sort of map certain points and inflection points and i and i want to i mean if we go as low as i indicate here with the red arrow then i don't see why we couldn't go to 4200 if momentum extends in the in the s&p 500 um but it it it, it all comes down to how strong is mapping is between the short-term moves in the financial condition index and the s&p 500 yeah and i wanted to just briefly point out uh technically we we are approaching a very interesting level and that would be the 61.8 percent retracement of the big sell-off wave uh, we had into those october lows which is just above the 4,000 level and then you have that big 200-day moving average i would say that's even more influential i think if i'm not mistaken we crossed above that very briefly with that last crazy rally in august so yeah, a couple levels to watch there, even ahead of that uh, 4200, uh, which is more sort of model based uh, uh, in, in your estimation there. So just uh, just to briefly recap, the big yield move uh, on last Thursday, we were close Friday, so we've jumped a little bit higher overnight. And another thing weighing on sentiment that I should have mentioned, uh, besides the uh, the COVID numbers in China, is the Fed Fed Governor Waller. He's on the board of governors, therefore a voter, uh, the first to push back, and he's in Australia. 
and overnight with some comments uh, pushing back against the market's repricing of the Fed. Uh, you're seeing the uh, peak rates priced about 25 basis points lower than they were at the peak here. Uh, you can see that two-year yield move uh, back below 4.5%. So approximately the two-year yield is getting to where the Fed is expected to be more or less after the December FOMC meeting. And then the chunky drop in the 10-year as well, taking us through that 3.9% uh, prior pivot low and even almost as low as 3.8%. The next big level down at 3.5%. And I think if we do go to 3.5% in the 10-year yield, that would coincide with Peter's uh, 4,200 scenario for sure. Uh, we're really going to need to pop back above 4% and quickly so to to at least if, and that was our big uh, wonder question mark uh, last week that turned out to be a, a red herring. <laughs> yeah. We thought about maybe could the markets decouple because we start worrying about a recession. So even if we get lower yields, the markets has to change gears or switch gears and look towards what that means for the economy and earnings and therefore maybe lower yields, but also weaker risk sentiment. No, that is not what we got. Of course, we got uh, a lower after CPI print and everything absolutely blew up to the upside in terms of sentiment. I'll get to the dollar in a moment, but uh, Ula, I think, is about to uh, <clears throat> smack me upside the head with the impatience <laughs> here. Uh, and, and obviously some correlation with the whole story. There's there's not just the rate story, softer as uh, CPI. Ironically, uh, maybe China's going to open up and this is going to be great for commodities. Uh, and, and of course, the narrative is very difficult for me because it doesn't mean inflation is going to go up. But that's that's a different story. The, the important thing is big, a big pop in the commodity space on all of this. And that is exactly the challenge, John. What's going to happen now if, if we do get a pop up in uh, on a return demand in, in China? What what would that do to commodity price? And with that also the, the prospect of getting inflation uh, down to levels that central banks are aiming for right now. But uh, just putting in the industrial metal sector here on, on slide six, we had a big pop in, in iron ore overnight. Uh, that's obviously the feedstocks of steel production. Uh, after the Chinese government uh, released a, I think, a 14-point plan to support the property sector, uh, which is a sector that's been under pressure for, for months, uh, that comes on top of the, uh, the easing of some of the COVID restrictions last week, happening at a time where we got the highest count of cases since, uh, I believe, the uh, first quarter this year. So... Uh, taken by the market as a sign that they are prepared to to ease some of the uh, very punitively restrictions they've had recently and that's been supporting industrial metals first and foremost but i'll say also the uh, the energy sector uh, we saw that uh, saw that last week so we've come to levels now in 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 especially something like copper which is up more than 25 percent from the lows where which is quite quite clear to see there on slide six that that four four dollar level is is pretty key that was the level we held above for more than a year uh, until we broke down uh, uh, late or early this this year, and uh, that really triggered that big uh, big correction we had in the market. So four dollar is this the time to break above? I think it's probably just a tad too soon, uh, but that's most certainly what we should uh, keep an eye on in the short term. Perhaps just a uh, some consolidation here, a recheck of that uh, level below three eighty to see what uh, what kind of support the market can muster, and then we'll look at the cut report which comes out tonight. It just gives us an indication about the positioning. Ahead of last week's uh, search, uh, it was delayed from Friday due to the Veterans Day, as John mentioned. So, um, so the card report gives us an idea about how much of this this buying frenzy that we had last week was driven by short simply having to get uh, get their positions uh, uh, justified so to the to the rally we've seen in prices. All right, and then of course, uh, driving some of that commodity move was the weaker dollar, and that actually continued quite aggressively into Friday or through Friday, I should say. Uh, as you can see on slide five, and the the trend readings we're getting on the FX board are uh, just remarkable when you're getting towards a, a uh, an absolute value of six, in this case, minus almost minus six on the dollar, showing how very weak it is indeed, and uh, hitting some key levels. So in dollar yen, it was that 139 uh, spot 40 area. We actually traded it decently below that uh, with a massive move there. 
in the euro dollar, the focus uh, very similarly is on the 103.50 area. And of course, in the inverse fashion, that was the very major uh, market low back in uh, May. And if you recall back from, I believe it's early 2017, that's right around the area we touched back then as well. Key support, it broke, it was retested, and then we, we tumbled all the way below uh, 96. Uh, so this is a very important area as well. And you see that 200-day moving average uh, descending down towards this area as well and coming uh, days to a week or two. So uh, a major resistance area here, I would say you could, uh, you know, extend it up to 105 or so. This is a massive trend stretching back quite some time. So is this the big trend reversal? I don't know. Uh, I, you know, I think we have a, a heavy, heavy dose of caution on the uh, where we are in the cycle in terms of, the, you know, is the Fed set to uh, turn around and is uh, are things, all things going to come up rainbows and unicorns from here? I think that's uh, going to not be the case, but how the dollar behaves with that is not necessarily completely correlated to the recession cycle. But let's see. Uh, I think one key thing here as well uh, we have to take into account is a Xi, uh, Chinese leader Xi and President, uh, U.S. President Biden meeting today. And I might imagine that uh, there might be some defense of the renminbi, a little bit heavier handed than the normal coming to this meeting for optics around that. It's not an official summit, but they will be talking uh, today. Elsewhere, of course, with the yield pressure coming off, we have the yen uh, performing very well. A lot of stops going through, obviously, uh, as it hits uh, below 445 and all these levels that just uh, were completely blitzed through uh, by the market. And similarly, the Swiss franc is also strong. You see the Canadian dollar sort of following the U.S. dollar directionally, as is often the case. All right. Uh, and of course, with a dollar focus and a dollar tumbling at an incredible pace and yields coming down, it's the ideal mix for gold, is it not, Ole? It is indeed. And, and with that also, uh, silver, given the uh, the headwind it's currently receiving from the cop, as we mentioned earlier. But uh, I have just put in the precious metals as well, because it was a big, big week last week. We we blasted higher. We we took out that 1735 level in gold to I would say we are starting to uh, to talk about a a low in the market there, that or triple low down the, that eighteen uh, or sixteen fifteen level. Um, I would like to see it uh, at least make it back above that seventeen eighty eight level, which is a thirty eight point two percent retracement so far. So so until we take that out, that this is still from a technical perspective just a a correction within a a, a weak correction within a strong downtrend. So we, we'll see. But um, consolidation is probably. Um, the, the most obvious uh, the direction for for this week's uh, trading action. Uh, same goes for silver, where you can see it's 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 moving steadily in in the an upward trending channel right now, uh, but finding some resistance at that around that twenty two level. So um, so I'm basically looking for consolidation this week and just any signs of a pickup in demand through ETFs and through futures because we we. We know by now that the reason why gold didn't collapse uh, this uh, this year to, during the third quarter when it, it dropped 8% was simply the fact that the central banks were very strong buyers of physical gold, taking gold out of the market, offsetting the uh, the selling that we saw from the ETF. So we need to see ETF buyers. We need to see speculators in the futures market come back. And, and uh, that's really the, the signs that the flows that's required for this market to uh, have some additional wings here. Yeah, I can't help but look at the 1800 area as well, that big uh, level on the way down, which... Okay, it's not a precise eighteen hundred, but that's also around where the two hundred day moving average exactly coming in there on the uh, on the gold. All right, Peter, uh, it's still a little bit of a uh, uh, earning season left to go, but you also want to highlight a, a single stock today. Yeah, and it's uh, Monday morning, so it's always uh, quiet on the individual stock news front line. Uh, but there is a news coming out from uh, Russia, Roche, a um, Swiss-based pharmaceutical company. They they are with a phase three trial result that is 
not very rosy to say the least on their Alzheimer uh, treatment. And there was a lot of buzz and uh, excitement over their Alzheimer results when they when they left the phase two trial and and you know excitement where we're finally getting a treatment that was supposedly really making a difference here but apparently the uh, it shows very negative results and last time i checked before we went into the studio the indication was that shares were down five percent in uh, in swiss trading so uh, but if we uh, you want to point no i just was going to point out we talked a little bit about it in terms of single stocks and I wonder if it's symptomatic of what's going on here is, is those names that shouldn't be going up or, or that actually have some negative flow are getting squeezed the most. So we're talking about this whole disruption in the crypto space. I'm just, in the, you know, we, there's still a lot of uncertainty out there. Somehow crypto seems relatively stable here. I think relatively stable in this environment of mm. wild risk on is maybe not so great. But a stock like NVIDIA, uh, I think I calculated at 18.5% over two days uh, when crypto mining is essentially shutting down. So, yeah. it, 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 you know, that's just adds to our our sense of, of caution around what what is going on here uh, on these on these types of news. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's it it doesn't what we have seen over the past week doesn't follow a, a typical logic chain uh, chain of log, logic here. Um, what's what's going on? And then, but if we move to the uh, slide uh, nine, um, a lot of key events actually to chew on this week. Um, if we start today, uh, May twin in in uh, in China, it's a big e commerce company in the uh, rural areas. Uh, New Holdings, which is the holding company behind New Bank, um, that's also I put in a, um, the insert there on, with its share price since the IPO uh, last year. It has Berkshire Hathaway as one of its biggest shareholders, and I have a, another small insert there with their quarterly fin- uh, financials. Their net revenue is expected in Q3 to be around 1.1 billion dollars, up almost 200 percent compared to a year ago. It's a uh, they. I really hate like using this word fintech because what is it really financial technology, right? I mean, every company in financial industry is using technology, but it's a, you can say new bank is a very, it's a modern approach to banking in the sense that you don't have a branch network. It's at least if you have a physical presence, it's very small. Uh, it's very digital, both on the onboarding and the servicing of clients. So it's a very different approach to the cost side of things. And it's, it has a gathering uh, a lot of young uh, clients in uh, in Brazil. So an interesting company to watch for sure. And then Didi Global, the Uber equivalent in China, also reporting today. And then if we look ahead, I think tomorrow, uh, Walmart and Home Depot, of course, being extremely important as two giants in the U.S. consumer sector. So we have C-Limited, uh, a giant in, in e-commerce and gaming in Southeast Asia. Infineon Technologies, one of the largest suppliers of semiconductors to the car industry. And then the big day uh, during the week of course is Wednesday with Nvidia it's also the company I highlighted in my earnings preview on Friday which you can see on analysis.saxo crypto is uh, crypto mining is coming down uh, it's crumbling one of the big crypto miners were putting up 17,000 GPUs for sale uh, last week uh, I mean it, it's it's a supercomputer right there uh, something that I think even NASA would like to have their uh, hands on it's a it's a big amount of uh, of computers there um, so uh, I'm very curious to see the outlook, and then of course Tencent, uh, the biggest digital company in uh, in China. And actually, maybe my comment on Nvidia is a bit uh, shallow if the focus and the reason that company popped so much was the same reason that Apple uh, rose, and it's this whole focus on them creating their own. I don't know if this is meant to be a metaverse competitor, this 3D world that they're doing. Um, uh, Nvidia is it's not. They're not it's, really linked into that. Space. It's not. It's they want to do something in metaverse, but it's not seen right now as a direct competitor to what. Meta is trying to build out with there, but I, I think a lot of the reaction also is just simply, you know, as you said, it was it was technicalities or maybe a gamma switch. It was just a gamma squeeze. It was uh, you know the whole thing. And 
you know, that big move in interest rates just created a, a big move in high duration stocks and NVIDIA in, is in that camp. Okay. We'll keep it simple. Keep it simple, stupid. That should be maybe the uh, operative uh, uh, phrase here. Let's go to the macro calendar. It's uh, you know fairly interesting week, but not quite the heavy hitting stuff in terms of U.S. data that can move the market like last Thursday's CPI release. And uh, we have to watch the the chain or the uh, pattern among Fed speakers this week. We have the Vice Chair Brainerd out speaking today, considered uh, widely considered sort of the dovish uh, leader among the Fed uh, among Fed voters on the Fed board, etc. So, but how does she treat? what we've seen uh, in this crazy meltdown or melt up, I would say, and uh, improvement in financial conditions after last Thursday. Interesting to see the rhetoric there. Thought to be uh, her and maybe her contingent behind the insertion of this uh, slightly dovish sounding phrase in the last uh, FOMC statement that was then sort of uh, confusing in light of uh, Fed Chair Powell's very hawkish press conference. And as mentioned uh, earlier, President Xi, uh, President Biden in the U.S. and Chinese leader Xi meeting before the G20 summit. It's not really an official sort of uh, formal meeting as far as I understand, but we'll have to watch for quotes coming out of that. I can't imagine it's going to be anything uh, very nice sounding after the U.S. basically uh, is clearly trying to limit what's going on for China and its ability to uh, import uh, technology in the semiconductor space, etc. So, uh, yeah, I, I expect an unfriendly tone there, but it's uh, important to, to see how these... Uh, and to see what kind of statements we get out of that. Some Chinese uh, data and uh, a rate decision overnight, uh, no expectations uh, around the, the rates being moved. If we look at the rest of the week, we have the G20 meeting. It's a, it's a kind of an odd affair. They're not going to even be doing the uh, group photo that is a tradition there because of the awkward presence of the Russian contingent, even though Putin will not be personally present at that meeting. Uh, U.S. October retail sales is perhaps the highlight of the week out of the U.S. We also have some housing data. I imagine we're going to see a continued week data, at least in a trend sense, uh, if not in these specific releases. We've got that NAHB uh, housing market survey up. We have the uh, the housing starts and building permits on Thursday, etc. So we'll uh, see how all that rolls in as the week progresses, as well as how this um, move, this incredible move uh, late last week holds up. So with that, it's a wrap. We'll be back tomorrow with the next Saxo Market Call. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at SaxoMarketCall or by email, marketcall at saxobank.com. <laughs>